featured writer, Monique Quintana. Dark Lord of the Rainbow by Monique Quintana. This was published at Rag Queen Periodical. When you're nine, your grandmother tells you the story about the rainbow ballroom to scare you. She tells you the story while she makes you a Shirley Temple right before bedtime. She uses a tiny glass jar instead of a cup. The way the story goes, she says, there was a beautiful girl who met a beautiful man at the ballroom. He asks her to go on a moonlit drive. Your grandmother tells you this is where she goes wrong. She should have stayed there with her friends. She's lucky her mother let her go out in the first place. Your grandmother drops a cherry in your soda, and you watch the fizz come up the jar like amoeba. That should have been enough fun for her, your grandmother tells you. The girl looks down and sees the man as hooves where his feet should be. The girl is never seen again. You ask your grandmother how she or anyone, for that matter, could possibly know the man had hooved feet if the girl had completely disappeared. Your grandmother doesn't answer your question. She just shakes her way out of the kitchen and into her garden. Your grandmother takes you to visit your aunt's house in Parkside, and while your grandmother's talking to her sister in the kitchen, your cousin invites you to her bedroom and under her pink canopy, puffy like clouds, you sit on her bed and tell her about the beautiful man with hooved feet. Your cousin is seven years older than you and has Spaniard skin and hair that is three shades blacker than your own. She tells you she lost a job at Macy's because she showed up to the interview with chewed up fingernails speckled with polish and her own teenage blood. Yes, she tells you. She sticks her finger in the dimple on her face. There was such a man with hooves where his feet should be. Everyone knows the story, because the beautiful girl danced all night with him. She came home with the rain in her hair and blisters on her feet and tequila in her mouth, and then your cousin taps your throat with her fingertips, and they begin to burn there like three sticks of copal. 
You imagine that the woman has curly hair like you and is dark like you, that she irons her hair before she goes out the way you do now. You imagine a disco ball with green and yellow lights. You imagine that the woman wears a red polyester dress that feels like silk in your hands. You wrap the dress around her breasts and ribs and her empty womb. The beautiful man finds her and asks her to dance. He smells like pricey cologne and leather, and his hair is slicked black over his earlobes, and his skin is scorched by the right kind of sun. He speaks to her in Spanish. You don't know how to speak Spanish, so you imagine this woman can only understand his words halfway, or that she hears his words in reverse, that she reads his intentions on his fingertips as they run up her back. The woman leaves with the man in his Chevy Malibu. The air is warm and slow bleeding with rain. Fingers fall on skin. The buildings go by in dark and blue and trees and dust. She looks down at the gas pedal. She looks down to where his feet should be. She knows. The moon tips over his hooves and sighs. She boarded on with a suitcase and a loaded gun Filled with his dying dreams, no, not this time, maybe this one Younger, younger days never seem life be so plain She's hard to resist and now look at this it would be so easy to explain oh, all of affairs are just train wrecks and robberies happening there all of affairs are just train wrecks and robberies happening there he began to think no he didn't think he just moved on it Okay. 
was Senior Mac with Train Wrecks and Robberies. Blue Rabbits. This was published at Cheap Pop. The white spot leaps through the grain as we eat on the terrace, overlooking the knots of trees. This night, the pale older woman made us salmon trapped from the stream, the butter warm in our mouth, the meat of it pinked and new. This is her house, and we are her guests. My love has a red blanket draped over his shoulders. His eyes are like black rabbits caught in a cage. He told me once that he believed that he and I lived below Chinampas in another life. We had many children that revered the mice. We learned to irrigate the land with birds bleeding in the air the same way that lambs do. That woman who cooked our meal, she is the kindest woman person we have met this week. This is her house, and we are her guests. We can hear faintly humming off in the distance. We can smell the soap that she runs over her body in hot water. We can see her floating in her tub, so blue and radiant. We have not been treated well in the city, the city underneath the trees. Our brown skin shimmers in the lights, and they can see it. They detest the curve of our eyes, the resistance to the way they mangle our surnames in their mouths a linguistic butchery. They eye our clothes, our oversized jackets with the patterns of our people. My love had to stop me from telling off the cashier at the airport after she gushed over the other people in the shop but barely looked in our direction. They see us. I know that they can see us, I tell him. He hooks his arm in mine. He hums softly. And I can smell his skin as if it's burning. He drums his fingers on the wheel of our rental car while he drives us to the older woman's property. She lets us pay her with our credit card, swiping it on a machine, leaning over. She smells like cold flowers, like her skin is made from the lake. We stay in a rectangular tent overlooking the water, sleeping in a bed of gold, my love's cold mouth on my sharp coat buttons, on my throat the honey and sugar rising in the air from the pale woman's kitchen. When she calls us up to the house for dinner, she tells us about each piece of food that she has prepared for us. There are blessings in all the things that we give, but more in the things that we take. She says she has made these things in the old way, in the form of her ancestors. Looking out, there are tall blades of grain, and I know my love and I are far from our ancestral land, the grain tall and bright, the trees hung over in blue, deeply, the white spot leaping, nearer and nearer and nearer to us still. Well, I can hear you talking. What's that? What would you say? These nights have lost the spirit. They just drag in the day. People here are watching They don't know what you mean They don't know what they're missing They're just here for the scene Very 
Come and dance a final round In streets at once at home And I've seen these names Soon on with your things Broken poems and feathered boas Are all that's left of your dreams isn't about blood It's your bones, it's your flesh You laugh, your breath It's all that's left of this love And I hear voices in my night Feel fingers in my hair And I'll rise above, rise above And I can't find you anywhere It's of earth where they've been buried and beaten on to come and dance a final round in the streets at once at home and they travel far to let them hear where the bitter voices rose to fill the air the silence hadn't been despair at least someone was listening Senior Mac with Ghost Town. Yolanda by Monique Quintana. This was published at Ligia magazine. I find myself cursing my grandmother for the body that she gave me, the one that I didn't even know I had. When she was pregnant with my mother in 1959, a brown recluse spider bit her, and my grandfather paid for her to go to the hospital in San Joaquin. He didn't have enough money to treat his own spider bite. Instead, he waited for her in stark lights, the dusk mood too much for him, now and always. There's still Yolanda. In 1958, my mother had an older sister named Yolanda, who was delivered stillborn. My grandmother had to wait a week for the doctor to return to town to make the delivery. I wonder what Yolanda's body would have been built like. Her death threw off the birth order of my grandmother's daughters. Yolanda is the firstborn daughter, not my mother, and she is a reminder of all the ailments that our bodies have, us three women, who are left alive to break away. I am afraid of Yolanda's body. I see her body in mine, childlike, dying. I see our bones chipped into bird figures, displayed on machines, but then I remember that those machines didn't exist for her. There are still us. Lungs murmured and bruised. My body rages outside of hospital gowns. Yolanda's dress is a sack with a string that pulls closed at the bottom. Yolanda is brown and large-eyed, curly hair close to her head. Blue-faced brown, like me, Yolanda. My grandmother hosted her mother-in-law's 90th birthday party in 1990. She stayed up for weeks preparing the house, cleaning the closets and linen for overnight guests coming in from L.A., 
dusting the hinges of her cowboy-style accordion doors. The day of the party was a scattering of our family across the lawn. My distant cousins spitting beer at trees and rocks, mothers fishing their almost drowned children out of wading pools. My grandmother had a stroke that evening. I always wonder if she thought of her daughter, Yolanda, just before she began to repeat words over and over again in her kitchen. My grandmother had a little wrought iron gate in her backyard that creaked every time someone passed through it. I felt pain once when my mother walked through that gate in the afternoon sunlight, wearing a red dress with silver buttons. My dress hit my knees and hers fell to hers. I could see our reflections joining together in the deliberations of glass. These were our bodies, turning over ourselves. Cherry flat cola in my mouth, my mother growing her body inside me. When my grandmother died, I watched my oldest girl cousin hold her hands and push her hair from her face. I couldn't touch my sick grandmother, so I stayed in the waiting room, falling in and out of sleep on chairs, hearing my boy cousins rummage a tiny refrigerator filled up with gelatin cups and water bottles. My grandmother pale and gray-hued, my mother tapping her sandaled feet in the hallway. My grandmother had a brick house with stained glass windows and a saloon with Toulouse-Lautrec wallpaper. On New Year's Eve, 1987, I played on the bar stools with my cousins when I was four years old and fell back and broke my arm. I spent the holiday at Valley Children's Hospital, making patterns on the imaginary pins I felt inside me. I sewed a dress that night, and I have been wearing it ever since then. My mother started teaching kindergarten when she was 22 years old, a year before I was born. She always had health insurance, and she'd give up any part of her body that ailed her. When her period started coming every 20 days, she said, Here's my uterus. Take it. My mother has always liked the taste of hospital food. My mother lost a baby in the spring of 1992, and she arranged for her friend to babysit me, a white woman who ran a daycare from her house. The woman's teenage daughter took me to the backyard, where there was a tiny tin dollhouse with a low roof. She made me a tea party, and we drank punch from cheap plastic cups, a lace apron at her hips. My own hips were so small boys made fun of me at school. They are thick now, but they still feel cursed by those boys. My mother and my grandmother had their hysterectomies when they were my age now. Losing blood made us swoon and dance. I had never lost a baby like my mother and grandmother, because I never got pregnant after my first child, and I had a tubal ligation when I was 29. My mother cried the day I had it done, and I could not pretend to understand why. I was out in an hour, and my mother took me to eat lunch at a cantina afterward. I felt whole inside, and watched the lights gleam off a chandelier made of tequila bottles, and thought of Yolanda dancing and swooning inside them. On Saturdays, my son and I watch recorded episodes of The Bold and the Beautiful while eating lunch in the living room. I know his body will never be the thing that mine has become. There is a cold pomade in his hair, and I resent him for not having the things that I have, and I love my son for not having this body. When he has petered away, I lay on my couch as flat as I can, nerve pain at my wrists like bracelets counting all the children I will never have but there is always Yolanda. Some people say I look like the women in my dad's family, and I see it too. I look like my father's mother, 
The outside of me is not the indicator of my ailments. In my pain, I belong to my mother, and I am Yolanda's. My father knows this, and he tells me to get cream from a botanica in downtown Fresno. I buy dollar teas in shiny clear packets hanging on the wall like jewels. I buy a rainbow-colored Santa Muerte statue, small enough to fit in the palm of my hand. And my son buys hex candles that he promises he won't use on anyone. He just likes the colors. I want my own son to hex my own body and make the bones into pearls, new nerve stems growing back to me. I look like my father's grandmother, too. She lived to be 104. At the doctor's office, everyone is dressed up for Halloween morning. A brown boy nurse in a Batman costume happily takes my vitals. I tell the doctor that I have been eating ice cubes, and I pay an extra $9 to have my blood taken so she can check my iron levels. While I wait, I kick my feet against the crisp white paper wrapped around the examination table. Batman returns nervously and says that he's going to retake it, and if it is much too low, I will have to go to the emergency room, and I laugh and ask him if he's serious. My mother wants me to go to the same doctor who cut her open and took her uterus out. She tells me that she was a nerdy white girl with bleached blonde hair. She looks up the woman and shows me what she looks like now. I have to wait until winter to cut out that inside of me. The winter in my town is a dry, cold, and foggy one. I count the children I have never had and wait for winter to come. I am always in my body's pain. There are x-rays with lung clouds and cotton ball alcohol drops. I rise every morning at 5 o'clock and hear the shower run. My nerves turned out. I lash out at the ones I love the most. The neighbors can listen to me at night. In the afternoon, my head aches by the time I walk to the corner, passing my favorite armadillo house, making my way to whiskey around the corner. Every time I hear Yolanda's name, I think of the color yellow, pale like a new bruise, yellow like a scared cowboy in a movie. I can feel her mouth open and close when I spit in my bathroom sink. There's dust in her matchbox lungs, and her fingers flailing like the Pentecostal paper from my Sunday school days. Yolanda is buried over in San Joaquin, away from her mother, away from me, away from her sister. My grandmother is buried in Belmont Avenue Cemetery in Fresno, her headstone five feet tall, nearly the same height as my mother. My mother's name is already etched on the stone to save money. All the plots have been claimed there, so I will need to find my own. It's his game I play Everything's alright Even when the time passes so slow And in this game I play Everything's in play
late this show But the tears just roll Even though I never tell you, dear And they say, give this time Just don't swallow pride Surely soon, girl, you must learn to Amateur, professional, experimental? Do you tell stories with music and song? Are you interested in being considered for a potential feature on Mr. Bear's Violet Hour? If you have answered yes to any of these questions, please send samples of your work, links to Bandcamp, SoundCloud, your website, digital demo, tape files on Google Docs, whatever you have, to violethourmoon at gmail.com Cherry Baby 89 This was published at Vox Viola Days before my father left town for good, he drove us into the snow. He played a cassette of Sherry by the Four Seasons the entire drive up King's Canyon, and I mistook the name Sherry for Cherry because that's how my father says that word. I blew a circle in the window with each high-pitched note, and my mother gently scolded me. I wished she would have worn her red wool dress that day. I waited for the red dress through our patio window when she came home from teaching on Mondays. That dress was old school enough and would have matched the falsetto. My brother slept in his car seat as he always did in car rides. He was sucking his first two fingers, his black hair damp with sweat from the heater. I forgot to bring my baby doll, so I drew her in the smallest circle I made that morning and X'd out her blue eyes to make them stone pits. But I still asked the trees for forgiveness when we got to the top. The woman of your smile awoke me like I've been laying here alone for all these years Then I felt your body close to me And I thought that I'd fall free And you'd catch up with me Now I search the words you spoke to me Shrapnels of evidence caught in my hand I guess As I watch the back of you leaving I watch the back of you leaving I watch the back of you leaving When I used to watch it here 
And I have heard you come in And I heard what you said And I thought I knew what you didn't say Darling, or did I fill it in? Don't say you're leaving me because Because you'll leave me because Because you'll hurt me Well, you've already hurt me Okay, so you hurt me As it's turned, your smile frozen When it should have melted years Rivers cry out when they're broken Call it what you will Don't blame me for my tears As I watch the back of you leaving I watch the back of you leaving I watch the back of you leaving And I used to watch it here And I have heard you coming and I heard what you said And I thought I knew what you didn't say Darling, or did I fill it in? Don't say you'll leave me because Because you'll leave me because Because you'll hurt me Well, you've already hurt me Okay, so you hurt me so Cause I watch the back of you leaving I watch the back of you leaving I watch the back of you leaving When I used to watch it here And I have heard you come in And I heard what you said And I thought I knew what you didn't say Darling, or did I fill it in? Don't say you leave me because Because you leave me because You'll hurt me when you've already hurt me. Okay, so you hurt me. You've already hurt me. So that was Senior Mac with Leaving Me Because. Black Licorice, published at Yes Poetry. You'll never know any woman that loves black licorice besides your grandmother. When you drink that absinthe at the hotel in Seattle, you'll think about her hands as you watch the sugar cube melt to your glass. You'll regret not getting the morning flight home. You'll go to the same conference every year after that, and you'll cry there every year, too. Your friend from Colorado will say it's maudlin, and in spite of yourself, you'll acquire the taste of whiskey. She'll never cut your sandwiches in diamond shapes after 1989. You'll be embarrassed to eat in front of men you don't love for the rest of your life. You'll get hot in the face when people ask you why you're so quiet all the time. You'll ask your mother why the reading teacher pulled you out of class once a week when you were the best reader in your class. Your mother will say it's because you were quiet all the time. You'll see the way her lemon hangs from her tea like a smile. 
The happiest story you'll ever write will be the one with the prince in the snow. You'll collect short stories about snow because it never snows in your city. Your favorite story will be the trail of your blood in the snow. You'll watch as your classmates make paper mache masks of their heroes. You'll fall in love with the white boy who makes his mask out of glass. He'll put up posters of Christ with machine guns and bombs on his back, and he'll get detention for it. You'll pretend to not remember his name the day after he graduates. You'll forget his name altogether. You'll regret giving your son a biblical name, and he'll regret it in twos. You'll watch him sketch cowboy spurs after he splashes his face with holy water at San Juan Bautista. You'll like to go there in springtime and eat albondiga soup and take pictures walking through flowers and cacti. You'll see a radio poet you don't like there, and you'll give each other the death stare, and it'll feel two times good to you. You'll take a picture of your sister when she's in a pink raincoat when she's not looking, her feet one step under a freeway sign, the rain puddles drying up the lace in her shoes. You'll walk around the street fair and buy berries and milk that'll get warm in their crisp paper sack before Pacheco Pass sounds, and you'll imagine there's a sea monster in the reservoir, knowing that when it's drained, it'll look ugly inside. You'll fake sick to miss school and fake healthy to go to school later. You'll write paper dolls out of demons and stories. You'll crush lemon sticks under your tongue like meters and look for syringe-shaped bubble necklaces and corset panties black lace bra tops at the cherry auction on Saturdays.
That was Senior Mac with Run. This one was published at Giallo Lit. The Night Show Novaro by Monique Quintana. My grandmother used to get mad at me for watching too much e-entertainment television. Too much e-true Hollywood story for a 12-year-old. I used to sit on her bed with the huge wooden headboard with burnt orange velvet that had buttons like eyes. The best face I saw was Ramon Novaro's. I listened to his story as I sewed a dress from puffy brown fabric. I traced the pattern on the bedroom carpet that smelled clean, but still spotted from cola in the 80s. By the time the program was finished, the sun was paling out of the window behind the drapes. I held the dress up to my shoulders to see where the hem of it would fall. Just above my knees. Perfect. I kept thinking about Ramon's face wondering what color it really was, because I could only see him in black and white on the TV. Mounted on the wall, it was my little theater. I began to make up a story about Ramon, my new dress on my body haphazardly. Of all the figures in the wax museum, Ramon is the loneliest. I striped my eyelids in jewel tones, eel green, and smoked a candy cigarette to play the part even more. He is pale-faced, like a Spaniard, and I am dark-skinned, but we are friends, still. I probe the wax skin now, make it glow pink and warm under the fluorescent light. I have a tequila throat, coughing dust that blows through casino air. My friend. He opens his mouth, and oh, handsome, blinks twice to let me know he remembers me still. Touch my skin I'll carve your initials in There's no one to blame You left me this flame And I live with it I'll burn and I'll said you would be here soon But the night howls on And in my arms along Enough to fold you in Think of me
wonder who's lying next to you And if you're not through Maybe you should be That was Senior Mac with Think of Me. I hope you enjoyed the work of Monique Quintana. Uh, She has lots more beautiful work um, and a novella uh, available at her website, moniquequintana.com. That's M-O-N-I-Q-U-E-Q-U-I-N-T-A-N-A.com. Hopefully those selections piqued your interest and you can go read more of her terrific work. Pigelia time on what do we have on our sampler platter today? Uh, I have a real treat for you. Um, I'm going to I'm going to play another podcast within this podcast. Uh, it's it's short, so don't worry, you're not going to be here, you know, for hours. Um, but it's kind of kind of like those nesting dolls. I really like those. So we have a little a podcast within a podcast. And this is um, Dan Nielsen with five minutes on full disclosure. Uh, I live with this human and I played theremin um, in this particular episode. Uh, hope you enjoy. Hello. This is Dan Nielsen with Five Minutes. Today's special guest is Georgia Bellas, performing on Theremin, her original composition, Only the Flowers. Listen. For this episode, I'm turning on the Random Fives Generator app and setting it for July 2016. Here goes. 
The best way to disappear is without a trace. Always speak as though what you are saying is the perfect solution to an unstated problem. I was the funniest kid in the first grade three years in a row. If you can't remember something, think back to when you could. The shortest distance between two points is when they are almost touching. The best puns are unintended and unperceived. My new neighbor asked me if there was a special place I took my car for an oil change. I said, probably not. Every grand piano started out as a baby grand. If you accurately predict the end of the world, don't expect any thank yous. I eat my alphabet soup in alphabetical order. I'm too smart, but not for my own good. The windmills of my mind spin fastest when I blow my nose. The time is now, said the firmly in grasp of the obvious politician. Why is living on Earth so expensive? You pay for the atmosphere. A wild goose chase implies that wild geese don't exist. She was little and her parents were dead, so we named her Annie. I'll love you until the day I die, but that's it. When I'm running out of steam, I boil more water. My doctor is also a psychologist. He asked me how I feel, and then he said, how do you feel about how you feel? When I don't like a favor, I return it. Okay, that's enough. That's enough. I'm turning off the random five generator app now. Person of the day, Ivan Olds. Album of the day, Colossal Youth, 40th Anniversary Edition by Young Marble Giants. Available band name of the day, Sullen Art Teens, quote of the day. I have forced myself 
to contradict myself in order to avoid conforming to my own taste, Marcel Duchamp. I'm Dan Nielsen. Thanks for listening. with five minutes. It's my new favorite podcast and I hope it will be yours too. And you can look him up online. He's on anchor.fm, Spotify and lots of other places where you can get your podcasts. Just Google Dan Nielsen with five minutes and that's Nielsen N-I-E-L-S-E-N. You can also find him at Twitter at Dan Nielsen Fives. And that was today's surprise podcast within a podcast. Well, I guess it's time for a little mazé. And on the menu today is a snack size interview with our featured musician, the fabulous Senya Mack. And I'm lucky enough to know Senya Mack in real life. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm pretty lucky. Uh, she is a wonderful singer, songwriter, performer, musician, uh, guitar teacher, and uh, just a great human being. And Senya has been performing live since she was 12. And she's opened for Willie Nelson, the Indigo Girls, Warren Zevon, Amy Mann. Uh, she shared the stage with Patty Griffin, Amy Correa, Katie Curtis, Martin Sexton. Uh, well, that's just a tiny sample uh, of some of the musicians that, that I like. Um, and, you can, uh, and, and now she plays with the Porch Party Mamas, who are a really awesome band. So you can find out more about Senya at her website, senyamac.com. That's K-S-E-N-I-A-M-A-C-K. And uh, she also teaches guitar. So if, uh, if you're interested, um, she's a really great teacher. Um, actually, she taught me auto harp, so I can speak to how wonderful she is. Uh, I still miss our, our Thursdays with music and coffee and literature and philosophy and cats and, you know, all the good stuff that music inspires. But um, anyway, Senya was kind enough to answer a few questions for the Violet Hour. 1. What is your earliest memory of a word? The earliest memory of a word is horse. My older sister was trying to teach me to say it. I was learning to talk. I can see her little face trying over and over to get me to say it. She became a vet and owned several horses. I'm still working on trying to learn it. 2. If you were to describe your childhood with a list of sounds, what would they be? My mother sneezing. It always sounded like horseshit. Sometimes I'd lose her for a moment in a store, and then from an aisle away I'd hear horseshit. Then I could find her. Another was the sound of the ocean the sound of fog or the dampness of sounds because of fog. Another one was the sound of my father practicing drums. I loved when he would roll the drumsticks, drum corps style, and gradually make it fade. He'd say, there goes the parade. 
What sounds capture your life today? My guitar, for sure. Certain songs by others become soundtracks for my life. They capture my imagination. Like Under the Ivy by Kate Bush, or Jane Syberry's Calling All Angels or Temple. Italian language is a sound I have in my life now. I fell in love with the sound of it and started to learn it. Some sounds really are too prevalent, like cell phones right now. At least the pandemic gave a respite to the necessity of certain lifestyle sounds. I became very aware now of bird songs and owl calls. 3. What is your songwriting process and creative practice like? I keep a journal. Sometimes I write every day. Sometimes I don't write for a year. Sometimes I draw and write a diary in Italian. It feels like a secret language. If anyone tries to read it, then it's possible that they can't. Sometimes I can't even decipher the Italian when I go back to it. But writing in any way inspires me to write lyrics. Once I get a song idea, a hook, a rhythm, I go back through the journals, not all are in Italian, and find ideas that may fit. That becomes the second or third verse. I feel like songwriting to me is like throwing a pot on the potter's wheel. Shape it, mold it, glaze and bake it. But songwriting can happen in any way. Words first, music first, idea first. It happens all different ways. 4. What are your five favorite words associated with silence? Silence. I remember reading Tom Sawyer, and the word silence was used in the opening page. Tom doesn't respond over and over to his aunt's calls. Tom! Silence. Tom! Silence. Sounds of silence. That song. When I heard it when I was a little kid, it made me realize the effect of music because it had such a profound effect on me. Stillness. Vacancy. Snowing. Woods. What are your five favorite words associated with cats? Claws. Paws. Wink. Elegance. Sway. With oranges. Christmas. Suzanne, navel, zest, flavor. Five, if you were making a time capsule, what would you put in it to reflect your current obsessions? Gianna Nanini's song, Se Nell'Anima. Okay, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this a shot here, but uh, I'm gonna do my best, but I don't speak Italian, so I'm sure I'm gonna butcher this, so bear with me. <laughs> Se nell'anima egli ti laschio per sempre, sospeso immobile, fermo immagine, un segno che non passa mai. You are in my soul, and there I leave you forever, suspended, still, fixed image, a mark that never leaves. Bonus, if you were a stuffed animal, what would you be? Okay, I bought a stuffed animal for a quarter at a friend's yard sale in eighth grade. It's small, about the size of an open hand. I've had it in the freezer since my early 20s. When I first moved to Boston in 82, I put it in there because there was nothing else in the freezer. It was always so empty, and a reminder to me that I was living on a shoestring. Everywhere I've moved, I took the bear and put it in the freezer. It reminds me of my losses and wins, hopes and dreams. It reminds me of the dear friend I lost to AIDS who was with me when I put the bear in there. It reminds me of my whole life, and reminds me to also move forward. It's the only bear I would be. Well, this bear has tears in my plastic eyes after reading that beautiful story. Uh, wow, I just, I just love, uh, I love these interviews and, and learning, um, you know, what goes on in someone else's head. 
um and then sometimes you just get this beautiful story like that uh thank you so much Sonia for sharing your music and thoughts and words um for you folks at home you can find out more about Sonia at her website seniamac.com you can buy her music at seniamac.bandcamp.com or also at her band Porch Party Mamas. Their website is porchpartymamas.com. If you're in the New England area, uh, you can maybe be lucky enough to catch one of their shows. Um, like I said, if you're looking for a guitar teacher uh, or auto harp teacher, uh, she's the best. <laughs> Mousy. Oh, hi, Mr. Bear. How's, uh, how's my favorite two-dimensional hand-drawn rodent studying herbalism? Oh, I'm pretty good, thanks, Mr. Bear. Oh, it's so nice to see you again. Um, really hot out there here. Yeah, I know. Uh, how are you? How are you beating the heat? Well, um, I made some popsicles. Um, all these had a, uh, a sale. I got this, um, uh, little uh, unicorn popsicle mold and um, I wanted to try making popsicles out of tea. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, um, and I did. I made um, hibiscus tea and I added maple syrup um, and I didn't know I didn't know if maple syrup would even freeze, but I thought I'd give it a try. And, you know, they made, the molds are great. They look like unicorn heads, and it's this really beautiful red color from the hibiscus. Um, but then I realized I don't really like popsicles. You don't? No, they're, they're so messy and cold and drip all over the place. And, you know, if I take one, I'd rather, you know, I ended up putting it into my cup of tea. So it's more like, um, you know, I think I like the idea of, of maybe using it for ice cubes instead. You know, you can make uh, fancy ice cubes out of tea. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I didn't come up with it, but um, it's it's fun to do. You can just you can use regular ice cube trays too. But um, you know, if you got some fancy molds, then you'd have you know um some fancy looking ice cubes if that's if that's your thing. Uh, but yeah, you can just freeze the tea and then you have you know tea cubes. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I might try some other other teas. Um, but I think really. You know, I'm more of an ice cream sandwich kind of mouse than a popsicle mouse, you know? Uh, yeah, I know what you mean, uh, Miss Mousy. I'm, I'm kind of the same. Um, yeah, I, I like the idea of popsicles, especially uh, tea popsicles. What would you call those? Teasicles? Um, sure, if you want. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more of an ice cream sandwich kind of bear, too. Uh, but uh, what else you got cooking? Well, you know, vinegars are actually um, really exciting to me, uh, especially in the summer, um, because you can just, well, I mean, vinegars are just, they're, they're great, you know, they have their, they're tangy and zippy, and you can put them in, uh, you know, salad dressing or in a little sparkling water, um, they're good for your, you know, help with your digestion, um, but when you infuse herbs in them, they're, you know, even more delicious. Oh, what what kind of infused vinegars do you make? Well, right now I've got this one I made last summer with things I was growing in the garden. So this is my summertime vinegar. 
And I've got um, dill, sage, basil, parsley, red clover, yarrow, and calendula. And I infused it in, infused them all in apple cider vinegar for a few months. And um, now I've got, you know, this fantastic vinegar. All sounds delicious. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I just have a little shot of it on its own now and again. But uh, what I really love to do is make an oxymel. Ooh, oxymel. Uh, what's that? Well, it's um, it's acid and honey. As- acid? Yeah, you know, not the kind of acid that, you know, mean people throw in other people's faces for revenge, but, you know, vinegar acid. So acid and honey. Um, so you just, you mix um, vinegar and you mix honey, and it's delicious. It's called an oxymel. And this is my um, spring meat summer oxymel, and I have a, a springtime honey that I infused with dandelion and violets, and I mixed it with my summertime vinegar. And here's, here, have a taste. Mm, that's delicious. Yeah, isn't it nice? Uh, you know, it's the, the acid and the honey together. And, um, you know, you can you can have that on its own or put it in salad dressing or you could put a little bit in sparkling water, which is really refreshing in the summertime. Um, or you can add it to a cocktail. Um, I know you like your cocktails, Mr. Bear. Oh, yeah, it's true. Um, but anyway, that's um, that's what I've been up to. Oh, well, that's, um, that sounds really fun, uh, Miss Mousy. Um, the heat's kind of melting my little stuffy brain, so, um, I don't know, what, what do you, what do you say we, uh, throw some, uh, popsicle cubes in a glass and, uh, go, you know, sit down and look at the flowers? Oh, that, that sounds lovely. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, some summertime fun coming up. Yeah, and we can listen to some more Senior Mac. I just love her music. Oh uh, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh here, I don't I don't think I've played you her song Words. No, let's listen to it. Here you come with promises, the 
turn to lies before we speak And don't you know, babe, words are cheap And I've heard enough I've heard enough I've heard enough And that's the show. Thanks so much for spending a little time with me in the Violet Hour. I hope you enjoyed the beautiful writing of Monique Quintana and the beautiful music of Senya Mac. Uh, don't forget to check out more episodes of the podcast Dan Nielsen with Five Minutes. And uh, I'll, I'll be back with you on the new moon in August. Uh, until then, uh, look at the moon, look at the flowers, and uh, be kind to each other. Theme song and show music by Sugar Whiskey. Mr. Bear and Miss Mousie believe in radical love and kindness, in mutual aid, and empowering ourselves and our communities. Together we can dismantle the white, racist, colonizing, misogynistic, capitalist, homophobic, transphobic, ableist patriarchy. This podcast was recorded on Potawatomi, Kickapoo, Miami, Sioux, and Peoria land. Text your zip code or city comma state to 907-312-5085 and find out whose land you're living on. Uh, you can also go to land.codeforanchorage.org for more information. There's also a helpful map at native-land.ca. This is just the first step in developing a land acknowledgement. Let's learn our history and honor the land and indigenous peoples, past, present, and future. This podcast was produced in collaboration with the Boston Free Radio Podcast Network, part of bostonfreeradio.com and Somerville Media Center, Somerville's longest-running public access media center that enables a vibrant and diverse community to express its creativity, explain its ideas, share its cultures, and foster the individual right to freedom of speech. Learn more about Somerville Media Center at somervillemedia.org or check out some of the other amazing Boston Free Radio podcasts and radio shows at bostonfreeradio.com. Thanks for listening.